Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. All right, welcome back to the golden age of the silver screen on the MHM Podcast Network, where each episode we review a film from the 1930s or 40s. I'm Chris. I'm Lori. And I'm Patrick. And for this episode, we've got us a musical slash comedy in 1936's Swing Time, starring Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, and Victor Moore, and a bunch of other people who I didn't write down for this. Uh, Lori, do you have a dance routine summary for us, or am I just doing a regular summary? I sure do. Let me get my tap shoes. Oh, okay. Instead, I'll give us a short, spoiler-free summary. In Swing Time, dancer slash gambler slash heartthrob, Patrick asked me to add the heartthrob part, Lori. Lucky Garnet is late to his wedding with Margaret Watson, after the other performers in his troupe pull the old striped trouser cuff gag on him. I fall for that motherfucker every time. Oh, I'm sorry. Lori's on this one. I can't say the mother part. Uh, this makes him late to the wedding and his future father-in-law is quite angry and he calls off the whole ceremony, sends everybody home, sad faces all around. Uh, once Lucky does arrive at the Watson home, he promises to earn... That's earning quotes because once again, he's a dancer, gambler, heartthrob and earning is not how he gets it. Uh, he promises to earn $25,000 so that Margaret's father will allow him to marry her. Lucky then sneaks on a train to New York city with only his lucky quarter in his pocket and his best pal pop by his side. Once lucky meets an irresistible dance instructor named Penny Carroll. And I've got a typo. I said naked Penny Carroll. I don't know. Is that a <laughs> Freudian type? I don't know. Uh, his affection towards Margaret takes a backseat, as you could understandably see. Uh, will Lucky get the money and the small town girl, or will the bright lights of the Big Apple tempt him towards bigger and better things? Watch the movie to find out, or listen to Lori spoil this whole thing in the next 25 minutes. The end. Uh, Patrick, did you get any numbers for what is, what is this? The fourth, sixth, what was this, Lori? Sixth out of 10 of the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers film? Six. Six. That sounds right. Yep. Near the middle. The Goldilocks of the films. Patrick, you got numbers? Yes. Swing Time was released on August 27th, 1936, the same day as The Last of the Mohicans and The Road to Glory. The same year as The Great Zigfield, San Francisco. After the Thin Man, Modern Times, and Anthony Adverse. Uh, made on a budget of $886,000, grossed $2.6 million at the box office, making it the ninth highest grossing film of 1936, right behind Rosemary and right in front of Le uh, Liebold Lady. Nominated for two Academy Awards, won Best Music Original Song for The Way You Look Tonight, lost Best Dance Direction, for uh, Bojangles of Harlem to A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody from The Great Zigfield. Uh, AFI has this on multiple lists. 
1998, it was nominated for AFI's initial 100 movies, 100, 100 years, 100 movies list. Actually did not make the top 100. 2002, it was nominated for the 100 year, 100 passions list. Actually didn't make the top 100. 2004, I uh, was nominated for uh, 100 years, 100 songs. Uh, the way you looked tonight came in at number 43. Uh, a Fine Romance was nominated, did not make the top 100. And then in 2007, uh, AFI placed the film in, in their 10th anniversary edition of the 100 Years 100 Movies list at number 90. Uh, it was Entertainment Weekly in 1999 placed this film in their top 100 films of all time. It was ultimately adapted into a Broadway musical called Never Gonna Dance in 2003, which ran for a whopping uh, almost... 11 weeks before it closed. Uh, is it included in Roger Ebert's greatest movies list? Uh, it's also included in the thousand one movies. You must die. And also included in the national film Reg registry in 2004. And I just realized I never looked up rotten tomatoes, but <laughs> so I forgot to do that one. Rotten this week. tomatoes is but something that, like 97 100%. critics. Well, it, no, there's one Debbie Downer that took it from the hundred percent. So 97 Critics and 80, I don't know, let's say 87, 85 audience. Yeah. Sure. That sounds good enough. But, but yeah, that's the numbers I have on swing time. Lori, we're going to start with you because you, out of the three of us, you are the musical lover. Um, I am. Is this, well, actually, are you a fan of... Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like I really need to ask. And uh, you know do, it. Do you consider this uh, one of your favorites? Well, where does this rank? You know, the dancing in this ranks at the top. The plot is ranks at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but the acting is is good, and the the, I mean, Fred and Ginger are good, and the dance the dancing is amazing. I think this is some of the finest dancing in film history and i saw the great zigfeld and the dance that dance number was good but um well if it it's what they nominated i think if they had nominated maybe the um the dance that they did i can't think of the name of it off the top of my head the one when um they were breaking up never gonna that? Dance. yes thank you never gonna dance if they had nominated that i think maybe it would have won for what? For the best dance, the Oscar. Oh, okay. Oh, was it? Oh, I guess it was. That's what it was not. Oh, sorry. Mo, no, it was nominated for Bojangles of Harlem. Sorry. Yeah. And which was amazing. I mean, very racist song. <laughs> if you listen to even the words to it. or You mean the portion where they were in blackface? That's racist? <laughs> I'm just sensitive, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> where, where it really didn't need to be, to be honest. Uh, no. He could have been just regular Fred Astaire, and it would have been just as good. Yeah, and he was actually dancing like another dancer, so that was just interesting that it was called that. I don't know. It's just interesting. Now, Patrick, you are probably the least thrilled of our group <laughs> for musicals. And yes. I know a lot of times you <laughs> complain you don't like it for the, the simple fact that it doesn't move the story along. But people who really love musicals are pretty much unanimous that this is one of the best films that incorporates 
that where the dancing and the song not only fits the story, but pushes it forward. What did you think of the songs in this one? Uh, I, well, no, I would agree with that. There, first of all, there's not a tremendous, uh, a lot of music, you know, musical numbers in this. I want to say there's like five or six. And The Way You Look Tonight, and Never Gonna Dance, oh, sh- and, uh, and A Fine Romance, those specifically off the top of my head really do move the story along. I mean, they're telling part of the story while they're doing it, uh, singing the song. So I agree with you then that once again, I think you could effectively move the story along at a much quicker pace than spending five minutes doing the song. Uh, you know, Bojangles of Harlem does not move the story along. It's just a musical number for musical number's sake. Mm-hmm. And, and even I think they have a dance number um, where uh, the boyfriend or not the boyfriend, the uh, band leader who wants to be the boyfriend doesn't they get they coax him into doing it that's a number that i mean it's just got dancing in the place that's also does not move the story along uh but i uh, oh and then of course the dance number at the dance uh school or whatever uh, when they first meet or shortly after they first meet um so it's kind of a mixed bag there are songs that don't move the story that uh, obviously uh literally almost offend me with like oh my god can we just move along and and then there are songs that do move along the story and by the way the way you look tonight i did not know that it originated from this film and that is a great song i really really do song i love that song i've and i didn't realize it went back to 1936 i I thought it was a much not that it was the modern song but it was like in the you know the 50s or 60s uh, and i you know i really i I, well (laughs) i like that song a lot I like it a lot better than the way Fred Astaire sang it, but uh, that, I mean, it's just, it's just dated. That was a cute scene though, with the uh, shampoo whipped cream in her hair. It was cute. Now, as much as I've kind of crapped all over the uh, singing, this is some of the most impressive dancing I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in the film. I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit for it, that I was very, very, I, I can't say I, I can recall ever seeing a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie. I may have and just forgotten it but i was very impressed with their dancing uh, specifically in the dance school uh and then uh, and a i'll never dance again at the very end i mean those are both of those i think really epic dance sequences that i are are just truly truly impressive and you know you've got to admire the choreography and the work that they put into it so those are impressive to watch for that aspect of it once seen i don't know how well it's it works as far as repeat viewing but uh it's yeah yeah that's what it is (laughs) well this was my first time seeing this front to and i've seen clips i'd already seen all the dance numbers but um i like patrick didn't realize that uh some of these songs originated with this film and i did know all of them but they were versions that other people had sung so let's talk about the two principal actors first fred astaire I think on the Criterion disc that I watched, they described his his personality in this film as kind of an aw shucks kind of comedian guy. He's supposed to be a gambler. And while I like Fred Astaire a lot, at no point in this film did I ever think that he was the gambling type. Dancing aside, Patrick, what did you think of Fred Astaire and his acting? And was he a believable gambler to you? I mean, no. I mean, it's, as far as his acting... 
his acting is pretty pedestrian. I didn't think much of his acting in the film. He's not bad uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought Ginger Rogers uh, ran circles around him. Uh, not He's a dancer, and he's a phenomenal dancer and really, really impressive in that regard, but that's why they bring him into film. I, I, his singing isn't horrible, but I, as I said, I, the way you look tonight, I hated that version of it. I mean, I really love that song and I did not like the way he sang it. And I, I, part of it, I think is potentially his voice. So it was a little bit distracting for me from that, but I I can't say I was, you know, I've seen Fred Astaire in other things. I can't see, can't say I've ever been impressed with him. And this did not change that opinion. Well, I have uh, this song on my playlist and his version. So that's, that's the one I'm most familiar with. I have to say, I did not remember anything about this film except the dancing. And watching it again, I I know why. <laughs> the dancing was what made this film. And that's pretty impressive if you can have such a mediocre plot that really doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'll agree, you know, Fred Astaire's acting is, it's not horrible, It's but it's, you know, it's not... It's not why you're going to see him in a film. Exactly. But the, and, and I agree his voice is, it's pleasant, but it's not, you know, um, uh, I can't even think of a singer right now. It's not wooing. (laughs) Yeah. It's not Bing. It's not, it's not, it's not Dean Martin. There you go. Oh man. Um, If you, could you imagine if Fred had Dean's voice? (laughs) He would be swimming in ladies, probably more so than he already was. But his dancing, you t- I just can't take my eyes off of him when he dances. And he and Ginger together just had such a chemistry because I've seen him in other movies dance with other people. And the chemistry between him, he and Ginger Rogers is just, it just, it, there's nothing else like it as far as I'm concerned and I will watch them dance any day. So I, I think the dancing is what makes this movie and what makes this movie memorable and, um, and why it's so highly regarded. I think it has nothing to do with the, the plot and the rest of the movie, but the music is also amazing. As, as Patrick said, um, some all time classics. And, Aside from the dancing, Ginger Rogers steals the show, to be honest. I agree. Uh, I absolutely love her in this film. Uh, We'll talk about the plot in a bit, but 1936, this is the era of screwball comedies, and Ginger Rogers' comedic performance reminded me of Barbara Stanwyck's in The um, Ball of Fire, and I consider that a great compliment because Barbara Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite actresses of all time, and Ginger is right in step with her in this film. I agree. And she's not only could she dance and sing and she's beautiful and she's a great actress. Have you ever seen Kitty Foyle? It's a really good for that. She won the Academy Award for It's a really, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember thinking it was a really great movie. So yeah, she's, she's one of my favorites too, as well as Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, Patrick, uh, what's your, opinion on ginger rogers this is the first film you've reviewed with us where she's been in a film i believe uh i, I that i can re- remember viewing or yeah. reviewing yes 
I, I, I think she's the highlight of the show. I think she's the best actress, uh, actor or actress in the film. Uh, I thought her dancing is, although not quite Fred Astaire, she does a really great job. They are a great screen couple as far as a dance couple. Uh, so I, I, I take nothing away from what they accomplished as a dance duo. And this is probably one of, uh, from my, uh, my understanding, because we're going to review this for Criterion as well, is probably their seminal work, uh, this film in particular. Uh, but yeah, I thought she was really, really good in it as far as actor, uh, as acting goes. And I was most impressed with her through the entirety of the film. Before we talk about plot, I wanted to talk about uh, the actor Victor Moore, who played Pop. Was he supposed to be drunk the whole time in this film? Is that just the way he he spoke? I wasn't sure what uh, his personality was supposed to be in this film. I think that's kind of a 1930s kind of typecast character. The kind of bumbling friend that means well, but screws up their life. He he got lucky into the most trouble in this film for sure. Yeah, I mean he, I mean it. It, it was a shtick. It, it was funny for like five minutes, and then by hour and forty minutes, it's kind of worn thin. I wouldn't um, even give it five minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was common in a lot of films of the, of that times to have that kind of bumbling guy, uh, and he he was a plot device every once in a while, but not a very effective one. So I think we know the answer to this, but the story, I don't even know if they finished the full screenplay when they started filming this. It's very, I don't even know if I would consider it a complete script. It was just plot points to get them from A to B to dance. And that was the only thing that I really disliked about this film was the lack of a decent story Lori, you've already mentioned a couple of times what do you think of this plot it really has to be one of the worst i've ever seen i mean it's not even a great idea it just doesn't make sense in any film you would say i it's i i have to say it's at the top of the worst plot list i mean it just it really doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that his his the group that he dances with don't want to lose him so they try to break up his wedding and then he just goes and they never try to come find him and get him back and his friend just keeps messing up his life and and he's supposedly in love with this girl and he so quickly falls for ginger it just none of it makes sense and they i mean they they fall in love they they go they go from her hating him to falling in love so quickly and then forget it she's going to marry this other guy it just i don't know i just think it's it's a really flimsy plot <laughs> well i mean from the and i'll agree with you the the whole get go of his his friends and i'll put that in air quote trying to prevent him from getting married so he doesn't leave the act which he immediately leaves the act his promise to his fiance his father to get $25,000, which by today's money would be uh, a little over half a million dollars. It's a lot of gambling. You, if you just for inflation. So it's 
paper thin at this point this point in time that he's going to accomplish this goal which by the way he does fairly quickly in the process and then you have you know him running into the girl and he seems to forget the fiance really really damn quickly and just moving on to uh penny which you know i can understand i liked her better too but it it just you know then you have this repeat uh you know like they're together and they fall apart. They're together and they fall apart. And they're together and then they fall apart. And then ultimately they're together at the end of the film, which, you know, this film would have been a three hour film. You probably would have repeated that cycle three more times. And it, it just, it, it's, it was not that creative. It's paper thin. And, and I just didn't, yeah, I, I, I thought it was potentially a 45 minute plot told over an hour and 50 minutes or so. In their defense though, when they were dancing, they were together and then they were torn apart and then they were together and they were torn apart and then they spun and they tore apart and repeat. Well, I, I appreciate that you point out the, uh, the, re, the refrain that is in their dancing is similar to the music and the plot in this particular film. What is but, it? Step three times slide to the ground step. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, appreciate it although it was interesting the you know you dust yourself off you get yourself up and, and then you start all over again that's a line from home for the holidays that one of the characters gives to holly hunter later in the film and i never i didn't associate that with this film obviously since i never saw it before and now i've seen it and i liked it better in home for the holidays i wanted to i wanted to talk about the director george stevens I, he's a director that I do like from this era. He made some great films, um, Shane, and he made Patrick's favorite. Um, what was the John Wayne one that we, he was in too sick as for why am I blinking out again, man, greatest story, the greatest story ever told. He directed, this was his second full film after directing a bunch of Laurel and Hardy, which he, I think he's got great comedic timing as a director. And um, it shows from Laurel and Hardy. But what did you think about, what do you think about this director and uh, how it came across in this film? Especially since this was really one of his first full-length films other than the shorts he'd done with Abbott and Costello. Patrick? Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy? I'm sorry, Laurel and Hardy. What the hell's my problem tonight? Oh, all right. I didn't know in a background with Abbott and Costello. No, I don't I think mean, I, I had the fault. The fault in this film is not the directing. I, I thought the way this was shot visually, and I know Friday Stare had something to do with it as well, that he didn't want trick photography. He didn't want close-ups to somebody's feet dancing. He wanted to show a full body shot, one long continuous take so that the audience would know they're really doing it. They're, they're, they're actually doing the entire dance number. And it's a much more impressive feat. And I do agree with that. You know, especially with the, the never going to dance on that huge soundstage, the, you know, kind of this one long camera angle until they get to the top of the stairs where you get finally a cut uh, and you get a somewhat close up view of the uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire dancing at the top of the stairs very quickly before, you know, Ginger Rogers goes out the, the door where the band leader went, leaving Fred Astaire by himself. And the only reason they had to cut there is because they had to light the they couldn't do the lighting for the upstairs area and get the correct camera angle. So, I, you know, I, I was really impressed with the choice and what they did 
especially with the dance numbers. And I don't think his, the the rest of it was that bad. As I said, my fault with this film is in the screenplay and the story. That's that's the tremendous fault in this. I agree with what Patrick said. I I think the directing was was great, and um, I think the the problem was the plot and the screenplay. But it's that that's what's so amazing though is that it's still considered by many one of the greatest films of all time and with that plot i mean it just speaks to the quality of the of the dancing and the music that that was able to salvage this film this plot i mean not just salvage it it was still a great film so i think that could also be credited to the director as well i just wish he'd gotten a better screenplay all right so i have to ask the important questions in this film best ginger rogers outfit in her dance numbers oh my it was the white skirt and the way it the white dress and the way it flowed and made me want to when i walk around i I wore a skirt today and i wanted to um i wanted to make it the way she kind of grabbed it with her hand and made it just kind of flounce a little bit elegantly was it the gosh i'm not sure if i'm picturing the same dress the one well, yeah the one there, that she had there's on. the pick you up song where she had the black was that a pleated dress skirt oh that was pretty there too. was the flowing one in their waltz very beautiful that was pretty i think that's the one i'm thinking of and then the, the last one was like a, a sheer kind yeah. of risque for post haze code to be honest i think i'm thinking of the waltz Dress. It was just uh, little every every dress she wore was just beautiful. I like the one at, with the Never Gonna Dance. I, I thought that was the most striking dress in the entirety of the film. No, I agree with that completely. I really liked that dress. Although the the waltz one uh, was really captivating as well. I, I'm kind of on the fence, like Lori is. She looked amazing in all of her dance outfits. She did, and and. How do they get them to move like that? I mean, I'm wondering if they had like Chanel wire or something. You know what I mean? Just the way they, it was just so elegant, so beautiful. Fun fact, when they were rehearsing this one, when it was Fred Astaire and Hermes Pan, he wore the uh, the dresses uh, to help with the flow. Well, it shows. <laughs> All right. Let's go around the table here. Uh, after all is said and done, on a scale of one to five, do you consider this film a bad one, or do you give it a high five? Um, Patrick, we'll start with you. Okay, I will. I will give this a two, and I'll give it a two because of the dancing in it. I, I as much as I did like Ginger Rogers in it, uh, I, the story is unsalvageable. And I'm not a person who's going to be impressed by just a good dance number. You have to have something else besides that. There are some good songs in it. I don't necessarily like the versions of the songs that they sing in it. Uh, but the story is is so, to me, reprehensible that I I, I will agree with Lori. They, I, having not seen any other Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire films, but knowing that this is considered kind of their best dance numbers, the dance 
numbers are pretty impressive and I can understand why people will point to this as great dancing or the kind of the a standard for dance sequences in a film they're really really impressive better than I've probably seen in any other film but when this is I'm watching the film for its entirety and it's a really crappy story with uh, Ginger Rogers really good and a lot of other mediocre acting around it uh, around her at least so yeah I give it two stars um well i'm going to give it an extra star more than patrick i'm giving it three out of five i'm dinging it on the story it's a comedy i don't know if it's supposed to be a screwball comedy but it's of this era so i figure that's the type of comedy it's supposed to be although uh fred astaire's character is not exactly the the typical male screwball partner but ginger rogers straight up is uh and she's great I like everything about her in this film. My only knock on this film is that is that storyline. Um, but otherwise, I was m- more than entertained than I would be for a normal musical that doesn't start and end with Grease or Blues Brothers. <laughs> uh, but Lori, since you are the musical fan, we'll let you have the final word. Okay. Um... I'm going to have to agree. The plot is a one, but the dancing is a 10. So it's only five. <laughs> so that's well, it's five it more, isn't it? <laughs> but the dancing is a 10. So this that's going to move it up to, to a, I'm thinking 3.5, but because it's my favorite dancing, it's going to get a four. Would you consider this one? Uh, in your top 100 or anywhere close? I would not. Well, I would not because I don't like to watch the entire film. I will just watch the dancing. And I have, um, you know, I'll just go on YouTube and now and watch the dancing. I used to have this uh, VHS tape called That's Dancing that had um, a compilation of um, musical numbers and I used to watch that but I don't enjoy watching this whole film in fact I didn't even remember it because if, if I ever have watched it I'll just fast forward it to the ones I want to see the the dances so um, I guess that maybe I shouldn't give it a four for that but the, the dancing is so good I mean it's worth watching just for the dancing I love listening to Lori walk it back to the point where she's she's moving it down towards my two (laughs) i'm not gonna go that low because of the the ginger i give you five more minutes you'll be there you'll be like (laughs) oh there was blackface in it yeah yeah okay yeah but then it has the way you look tonight the the musical the score is it's amazing i'm I'm gonna go 3.5 I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I'm a better person for watching this film because now I will never fall for the striped pants with cuff gag ever. You're yeah, wiser. Well, the, 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 what, who would fall? What idiot? That was dumb. That? that was dumb. It was in a magazine, Patrick. Magazines are not <laughs> wrong. It, that it, was so dumb. It's like the internet of the 1930s. <laughs> and his name was Lucky because he seems pretty dumb. I mean, just from the get-go. Like just, Lucky uh, Penny. 
Yes, I know. Lucky Penny. How <laughs> Together, they're 26 cents of fun. <laughs> Lori, you want to go for three stars now? That's my final star. Five final minutes. Minutes. <laughs> All right. On that 3.5 note, that's our review for Swing Time. Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section and what your favorite Ginger Rogers outfit was in this one. Uh, and for our listeners over on moviehousememories.com, please rate it from one to five stars on that page as well. If you enjoyed today's review, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MHM Podcast Network, where we have many, many more film reviews from yesterday, today, and beyond. And we're on our way, Patrick, to 10 billion subscribers. Yes, that is possible with all the bots out there. Until next time at the big show, when we will review another classic from the 1930s or 40s. And as I say that, I think it's actually 1956. Oh, Long Hot Summer is 1956. It's 1930s, 40s, and 50s. 60s we jump to that goes to a different show movie house concessions <laughs> there you go i'm chris i'm Lori, and i'm patrick and that is a wrap with a big dance finale this podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the song hyperfun is brought to you by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the golden age of the silver screen, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.